I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Spring is my favorite time to start a new workout routine. With the weather warming up, it feels easier to get into the rhythm of things. Whether you have 20 minutes or an hour for a Pilates class or outdoor guided walk, Peloton has everything you need to help you get going. Get a head start on summer with Peloton at OnePeloton.com. Well, hello. Welcome to Jules Says. You know, I've had a special guest three weeks in a row, which is very unusual for me. I usually only have a guest on once in a while, but three weeks in a row. Maybe you think I'm getting lazy. I hope you've had a chance to hear what they had to say. But today, though, it's just me, Jules. If you have anything you'd like to share, or maybe you have a suggested topic or guest, email me at jewelsays at gmail.com. We had the loveliest Mother's Day this past weekend. On Sunday, we met Carrie and Alan at Hoots, our go-to Mother's Day restaurant. No inflated prices, no reservation required. There were other families there, too, which was nice. We tried the patio, because we love the patio on a hot day, but it was just too cold. So we ended up going inside. And they've built tall condo buildings around the area, which weren't there before. So the shade covers the rooftop patio pretty quickly now. But it would be ideal on a really, really hot day. But after our leisurely lunch at Hoots, we came back to our place. And Abe, Pete, Carrie, and I played cards for the rest of the afternoon. Abe cooked all of us dinner. And we chatted with Carrie until Alan picked her up later that evening. He had gone over to see his mom, too. And I think he had some work to do. He's selling real estate, Alan Tungle Realty. If you are in the market for anything in the Toronto region, he's your man. Overall, it was just, we had a really nice Mother's Day. And before that, Abe and his brother Pete went to Sarnia to visit their mom on Friday after work and returned Saturday night without me. I took myself to a play Friday night, and I spent Saturday singing to myself and doing laundry. It's really what I enjoy doing. I like being alone to do housework and laundry. The poor neighbors. No, I actually don't feel sorry for them after they blasted their music and pounded on the shared wall at 3 a.m. that night. They can suffer with me singing during the day. But I didn't go with the guys because I know how much I enjoy spending time with my own children on their own once in a while. And I think it's nice for Sarah to have her boys to herself without me there all the time. Don't get me wrong. I think Sarah, it's not that Sarah doesn't like me. I'm pretty sure she does. And I'm sure she's not lying about that. 
But I think moms should be allowed to spend a little time with their children on their own sometimes. And it's not that I don't like my sons-in-law. I do. Well, now I do. And when I say son-in-law, I mean partner, because you don't necessarily have to marry someone for them to take over and hang around constantly like a bad smell. I think I'm a pretty good mother-in-law. I don't interfere. I'm not, I'm not demanding myself. And I think I was pretty patient even when my daughters were in relationships with people who I found to be somewhat odious. Am I a bitch for saying that? No. Did I tell those guys I thought they were odious? No, I did not. I know my place. I know the girls are more likely to cut me off than break up with a guy if I criticize him, so I heroically keep my opinion to myself. The problem is, my daughters know me very well. Sometimes they know me better than I know myself. For example, Catherine, at age 16, could tell from meeting Abe for minutes, maybe even seconds, at our front door when he came to the house to pick up some wigs for a Halloween costume, Catherine could tell that I liked him. And this was genuinely before it had even occurred to me that I liked him. I thought he was a nice guy, but honestly, yeah, it had not even occurred to me that I quote-unquote liked him. Sometimes our children know us better than we might care to admit. And yes, Abe and his friend Bernie were dressing up as women for Halloween, which was not a political bomb 23 years ago. So of course it makes sense that they might have been able to tell when I didn't like whoever they were with, and they have a history of bad taste in men. I have no idea where they got that, but yeah. And there are people who just think no one is good enough for their child. And I'm not that way. I know my children aren't perfect either. We're all human. And it isn't that no one is good enough. It was just who they seemed to choose really was never good enough before. I know I've mentioned my boyfriend or partner risk assessment spreadsheet. I came up with it to try and be fair. Was I being unfair? Maybe if I just, you know, how you put down pros and cons. Maybe if you put it down, you're going to see something. Am I a terrible mother-in-law? Maybe I am. I have one friend who tells me she has loved some of her daughter's boyfriends, loved them, and missed them when they broke up. I can honestly say that I have never felt that way about any of my daughter's exes. Never. So maybe I am a bad mother-in-law. I have been told I have trust issues. Yeah, I don't trust you when I see you act like a domineering, controlling dickhead or you're too fucking lazy to earn a living. And if that means I have trust issues, then yes, I guess I have trust issues. I also believe that remaining single and childless is a perfectly valid life choice. So forgive me if I don't welcome you into my daughter's lives with open arms. Forgive me if I'm relieved when you finally hit the road. But I will keep my mouth shut as long as you're around unless my daughter asks me to say something, which I think that's only happened once. Or if you ask me what I think. Don't ask me what I think unless you want to hear it. One asshat told me how enthusiastic his family was about him being with one of my daughters, and he couldn't understand why I wasn't as enthusiastic about him. I looked him straight in the eye. Do you really want to know why? I asked him. 
because it's none of my business. I'm under no illusions that I have a say in any of this. So don't ask unless you want to know. But these people who think they can bullshit me with whatever they think is charm. I've seen charm, and I don't think you're handsome. I've seen narcissism. I've seen overt domination and control. I did not get to 73 years old without learning a thing or two about men. I'm not actually 73. I'm only 63. But lately, if my age comes up or the age of my daughters comes up, no one is ever surprised at my real age anymore. So I've decided to just add 10 years, and it works for me. Because I look great for 73, and people don't hesitate to tell me that. It helps offset my feelings of, you know, invisibility. But my point is, I can see through so much bullshit. It's as though I have supersonic bullshit x-ray vision. Oh, says this dipshit, of course it matters what you think. Okay, you may have trouble understanding this now, but if someday you have a daughter of your own, maybe you will understand that no one wants their child with someone with addiction issues. Does that mean that I think people with addiction issues don't deserve love? Of course it doesn't. But it's a long road that doesn't necessarily get better. So to enter into a commitment, a new commitment, knowing up front that there are severe addiction issues is a risk. It's high on the partner risk assessment spreadsheet. Sorry. Oh, but I'm clean, he says. Ha, that's great, I tell him. If you're still clean in five years, then I might start feeling as though you can be trusted. Of course, it turned out that he had been lying through his teeth. He wasn't clean at all. He was a lying liar who thought I was an idiot. He probably expected me to play nice and just say something like, Oh, no, I don't know where you got that idea. We think you're wonderful. We love you. Nope. Don't ask if you don't want to know. Then there was the guy who campaigned for me to convince one of my girls that she was making a big mistake and that she should take him back. Nope. I know how hard it is to leave a long-term relationship. If she finally found the strength to get out from under you, I will applaud and support her decision, and I have every confidence that it is definitely too late to save the relationship or she would still be hanging in there trying. Does that make me a terrible mother-in-law? Maybe it does, but too bad. I think men very often just don't realize how hard some of us try to save the relationship. It's like investing in the stock market. You invest because you think the stock has growth potential and then it stagnates and the next thing you know it drops and maybe the dividends are cut, but you hang in there thinking it'll turn around. If only the market conditions change, you tell yourself. So if we've decided to cut our losses and sell... It's because we have finally realized that this stock has no hope of future growth. And if you're blindsided, you are ignoring the fundamentals. You are ignoring the market conditions. I don't know how many people have told me that they tried to have hard conversations with their partners and were just shut down and ignored. Or the partners would agree and go, oh yeah, yeah, you're right, you have a point. And then nothing changed. Oh, it might have changed for a week or two. That doesn't work. And my daughters are smart, thoughtful, empathetic, loyal, hardworking women with high standards of integrity. The two who are mothers are attentive, loving parents, and the one who is not is an attentive, loving auntie. If you want to be with them, you need to be all those things, too. 
Yes, you need to be a good auntie, or you don't measure up. It's not that hard. You don't need to be perfect. That's impossible, and we're not perfect either. You just need to be willing to listen, apologize and atone for your mistakes, and share your own frustrations respectfully, and understand that you are not entitled to keep repeating the same mistakes year after year after year after year and expecting any of us to hang in there because that makes you a bad investment. And this goes for everyone, not just men. Now, I am a mother-in-law, but I've also had two mothers-in-law. My original mother-in-law, my girl's Irish nana, was a wonderful woman. She had different ways of doing things than I did. I did not find ironing my husband's underwear particularly gratifying, whereas she seemed to. The first time I met her was the week we got married, and that visit was a very insightful eye-opener in some respects. For example, as she lovingly ironed her son's underwear, she smiled at me and said, After this night, Jewel, I pass this job on to you, as though it would be my honor and privilege to iron her son's gitch. Don't get me wrong, I ironed what I needed to iron. I even darned socks, but I don't think underwear needs to be ironed, and I don't feel as though ironing is my privilege. But okay. She was so loving and kind. I often felt as though her family didn't appreciate her enough, though. Sometimes some of them were short with her, a bit too demanding, almost snappy. Some of them would smoke and flick ashes in the general direction of the fireplace, not overly concerned at all about whether the ashes actually made it to the fireplace. They left everything where they used it for her to come along and pick up later. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. The first time I visited Ireland, just five months after the wedding, and about five months along with Catherine, I was in for a bit of a culture shock. Nana spent the whole day cleaning, doing laundry, and I learned that you did in fact need to iron everything or it never quite dried, including underwear, and she had no clothes dryer. She had to hang everything up, and it was chilly and damp. She worked hard to make sure everyone had a meal they enjoyed. Well, particularly the men, anyway. Her brother would show up in the afternoon and sit down while she served him a hot meal prepared especially for him. And she prepared various dishes for tea, or supper as we call the after-work meal, and bustled about the kitchen, making sure everyone had everything they wanted, serving up this and that, made to order, 
These beans aren't cooked enough, I remember one of them saying, handing back the plate of green beans. I was a bit surprised because I like my green beans a little crispy. And I don't think you can undercook green beans, but apparently they liked them mushy. And it also struck me as really rude to complain about food that someone had spent time and energy preparing for you. Finally, after everyone had eaten and walked away, none of them even bothered clearing their own plates, she sat down herself and ate. I used to sit with her while she ate. I felt, I felt sad to see her waiting on everyone and then being left to eat alone. I don't think she minded. For all I know, she was a bit annoyed that I sat there with her and didn't leave her to her meal alone. Her fridge was counter height, so she couldn't stock up on groceries like we do. She pretty much had to go to the shop daily, though not everything really had to go in the fridge. It was so cold in the kitchen that the milk was just fine left out on the counter overnight. And of course, she didn't have a microwave, so if someone didn't show up on time for their meal, she would keep it hot on a double boiler for whenever they decided to stroll in from the pub or the wake which would often last a lot longer than a pub's legal closing time. I got the impression that it was expected of her. It wasn't viewed as the loving kindness and considerate gesture that I thought it was. She did so much that I felt went largely unappreciated. When she and Papa visited us in Canada, because it was such a long trip, they used to stay for anywhere from three to seven weeks, but usually around three or four weeks. She really loved to have fun and got on famously with my mother, Doroth. But one afternoon, she and Doroth got a little too day drunk. I had gone to Doroth's after work to wash and style Nana's hair. In Ireland, she used to go get it set once a week, but the hairstylist in Sarnia didn't seem to be able to do it, to her satisfaction. And not only that, Nana was a bit shocked at the price, so I used to do it. When I arrived at Dorothy's, Nana and Dorothy were laughing and having a drink at the kitchen table. They'd been out and were wrapping up a great afternoon. I had a really full schedule that week. I don't, I certainly don't remember what. All I know is we were busy. I had to get the hair done that night. But all of a sudden, Nana didn't feel well. You'll be fine, I assured her. I had to get her hair done. So I washed her hair. She was woozy. She was worried she'd be sick. I gave her a big pot. I felt so badly. There was poor Nana hanging over that pot while I dried and styled her hair. And Dorothy and I continued chatting. It seemed almost cruel, but this was our only window of opportunity. She kept apologizing to me. Dorothy felt terrible. She didn't think they'd had that much to drink, and she was fine. And I felt terrible because this poor woman, all she wanted to do was lie down. She wasn't feeling well, but the hair had to get done. She later told me, I think, the next day how embarrassed she was. I'm sure she told me repeatedly for a few days after. I said, there is nothing to be embarrassed about. You had a few too many drinks. You weren't belligerent. You didn't start any fights. It can happen to anyone. I was just relieved that she was fine the next day. Yeah, I really loved Nana. And my mother always said, when you get a divorce, you don't divorce the family, but my in-laws divorced me. I don't blame Nana for that. To be honest, I don't think my daughters would particularly want me to be friendly with any of their exes, not that I want to be, 
But I do think when there are children involved, people should just suck it up and be civil, if only for the children. You're connected by the children, whether you like it or not. Abe's mother, Sarah, isn't officially my mother-in-law, since Abe and I never had an official marriage. But I consider her to be my mother-in-law, and I know she considers me to be her daughter-in-law. If you're a regular listener, you might remember Sarah shared a bit of her early years in Canada on one of my previous episodes. So you might already know how extraordinary she is. To begin with, the fact that she accepts me in her son's life is really special. What woman wants her 23-year-old son dating a 39-year-old divorcee with three children? No one. And certainly not most religious Mennonite mothers. But she accepted me. That just shows how open-hearted she is. This Mother's Day weekend, as I was saying, she had two of her boys to herself. But when Abe got back, I noticed that he seemed a bit stressed. He was wearing his work-furrowed brow. How was your visit, I asked him. Your mom must have enjoyed having you two to herself. She did, he told me. She talked a bit about when Isaac was born, though. Ah, yes. Isaac is the brother who was born in Mexico. And his birthday's coming up this month, which of course got her thinking about that time in her life. I do the same when my girls' birthdays draw near. Abe's father was the kind of man who called all the shots. And Sarah had been raised to obey her husband. But even if she had decided not to obey, let's just say men like him have their ways of enforcing their will. So when he wanted the family to pack up and go to Mexico, they packed up and they went to Mexico. Even when Sarah's due date with baby number four was fast approaching and she had three very little ones to care for. The first three were within three years and Isaac wasn't that long after. Wherever it was they stayed in Mexico was a one-room house, or at least they only had one room for the family of five, even if it was in someone else's house. I don't think it was. Kitchen, bed, everything in one room. Abe said the room was about the size of our bedroom in our current house. No running water, of course, but at least they had a well. But the well didn't have one of those frames with the handle so you could easily lower and raise your bucket without hitting the walls. You know, the, the thing that hangs over the well with the rope that goes around it and the crank. It didn't have that. The bucket was plastic, so if you didn't get enough water in the first scoop, you had to pull it up and try again. They didn't even have an outhouse. There was a little ditch or valley that the little ones could use, but nowhere for Sarah with any privacy. She had to crawl under a fence and go over to the neighbor's outhouse. Imagine that. The dad came and went as he pleased, of course. He was the king, lord and master. And Sarah never knew how long he'd be gone. Now, you might think a guy like that is good when he's not around, but if you have no way of getting food, no money, no transportation, you kind of need that person to show up. There were times when all they had to eat was flour, and I guess I'm assuming, anyway, that they must have had a little sugar or yeast or something because she would make bread. Once before he left, he said he'd arranged for one of the neighbors to get food for her and the children for when he was gone. A couple of days later, the neighbor showed up with coffee and sugar. I guess the children ate sugar water. When the dad finally arrived home, 
He sat down expecting breakfast and was quite put out to be told that all she had was coffee. He flounced off to someone else's place for a proper breakfast. I don't get why he didn't seem to understand the connection between having ingredients and preparing a meal. If you leave the poor woman with nothing but sugar and coffee, don't expect anything other than coffee. But anyway, the midwife had told Sarah that she didn't think she'd be able to risk having Isaac at home, so when she went into labor, they drove two hours to the nearest hospital with the dad's brother tagging along for the ride. It was exciting to go for a car ride then and there. Of course, not everyone had a car. But she had to keep quiet. It was unseemly for her to express pain, physical or emotional, and by the time they arrived at the hospital, the contractions had stopped. So they turned around and drove the two hours back home. When labor resumed, they headed back to the hospital, this time at least without the brother in tow, and the dad admonished her for crying. Not only was she in pain, she must have been terrified. But how dare she make him feel bad? She struggled to keep quiet, because he was the Lord and Master. At some point after Isaac was born, they came back to Canada. But the dad would often take off to Mexico, leaving the family behind with no provisions. She recalled once she had some potatoes and knew the dad was due home shortly. Potatoes were a bit of a treat, and when one of the children asked for more, of course they were probably chronically hungry then— she told them she had to save some for the dad who was due home. But when he showed up, he said he didn't want the potatoes. Why? He had already eaten. Did it occur to him to bring more food for the rest of the family? No. No wonder Sarah's love language is food. Sometimes it's hard for me to understand because I've never had to go hungry well. I was hungry when I forced myself to be hungry due to my disordered eating when I was young, but I've never had to go hungry due to lack of resources. I've always had a very comfortable home. I've always had no shortage of food. I've always had everything I needed. But I also don't particularly like cooking. So when I see Sarah slaving over a hot stove, she'll say, I just had a lazy day today, and I'll say to her, yeah, I just slaved over a hot stove, made 10 dozen buns, did six loads of laundry. I, she's a hard worker. When I see her making all kinds of delicious food for everyone, and sometimes not even really engaging in all the chat, I feel guilty, and I feel as though surely she can't be enjoying herself, and I'd really like her to relax. But she insists that she loves cooking for her family, and she feels so blessed to have her family visit her, and she loves to see people enjoy her food. When you understand how often she didn't have enough food, didn't have any way of getting enough food for her children, you can start to see why being able to feed everyone so well means so much to her. Sometimes I say to her, You're welcome, Sarah. Wasn't it generous of us to come over and let you give us all this delicious food? She appreciates that. Believe me. So even though I might not be the greatest mother-in-law, I've been blessed with two wonderful mothers-in-law. Even though they came from very different places and very different cultures, both of them were expected to serve their families and both worked really hard to provide for their children. 
and both accepted me with open arms. Thank you for listening. Jewel Says is written, produced, recorded, edited, and mastered by me, Jules. Have a wonderful week. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.